great when it's automatic and I don't even have to think about it. Stuff just happens. No me. No me. Oh yeah, I'm on. Shall I keep talking? Ten. Nine. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Now it's me. There we go. And if there is a monitor, would you turn that off, please? Thank you very much. Hey, good news. I've only got four pages. <laughs> Less is more. The voice of experience. Hopefully it'll be more dense not more time. Yes, absolutely. Everybody likes that. <clears throat> well, if you have been around here for any length of time, you have heard it said that if God brings something into your life twice or three times, or if he allows a particular set of circumstances to recur, or if he brings a particular message into your life in a short span of time, you would be wise to listen to him. He's trying to get your attention. And of course, if God is trying to get your attention, it's because he has something to say. Some warning maybe to give. <clears throat> a bit of wisdom to impart. Perhaps a call to repentance that will keep you from an error in judgment or some looming sin. He may be trying to teach you something. Maybe help you deal with an issue in your life. Give you encouragement. Call you back to himself. Set you free from the long-term effects of some long-ago choice. He might be calling you to a particular purpose or trying to use you to influence someone else. There are possibly a hundred, maybe a thousand reasons why God might be bringing or allowing something into your life. The important thing is that we pay attention and create in our life a little space for God to work through his word, the circumstances he brings or allows the people he brings into our lives, the sermons you hear on the radio, or who knows, maybe even stay awake for during a worship service, songs you hear, the list goes on. I only pointed because he threatened. <laughs> Let God's work have its intended result. God may be trying to heal some hurt. He might be trying to set you free from the effects of some poor choice, or a bad response to something that he was trying to do in your past. He may be trying to bring about a new direction in your life. What might want to start a new chapter in your story. He might be preparing you for some great adventure or strengthening you for some mission. Renewing, redefining, maybe a purpose in your life perhaps restoring you to service. 
calling you to a deeper fellowship with him or his people, encouraging, redirecting, opening your eyes, closing your mouth, opening your mouth, restoring your faith, restoring you to faith, building hope, or any number of other things. So if you see a theme in the things that God is doing or allowing in your life, you would be wise to pay attention. And I want to add an idea to that whole thing. I mean, that's what you've heard all these years, or months, or weeks, or whatever time you've been here. But I want to add an idea to that whole concept. If God is trying to get your attention, he is not doing it just for you. You have to share it. You have to share it with others and give credit where credit is due. Give God the glory by telling others. So you see, maybe God is bringing something for you. Maybe he's bringing something for the person on the opposite side of the room. Maybe he's bringing something just in order to give you the opportunity to give him praise. In the past days and weeks, I have seen a theme developing in my own life or the things that God is bringing into my life, and I'm going to share it with you. And I will make a little room this morning for you to share as well. So, you might want to be giving a little thought to what God is asking you to say, to what he is asking you to share with the rest of his people for the sake of his name. So before we get into it, no, that was not the message. That was just a warning. And uh, if I told you that I had four pages, I've just gone through two of them and a little bit of the third. <clears throat> kind of scary, isn't it? Let's stand and pray. Pray that the preacher doesn't talk too much and that you do. <clears throat> Father, it's good for us to be here, otherwise you wouldn't have made it this way. I mean, Christians all over the planet understand the same thing, that we get together once a week in order to recharge, in order to be recharged, in order to charge one another up, in order to get encouraged, in order to get our marching orders for the week, in order to eat a spiritual meal, in, co in order to be a spiritual blessing for someone else, and perhaps be part of preparing or serving that meal. Uh, so here we stand. And we hope to hear from you. No, not really. I expect to hear from you. Um, because this is your plan. This is how you work it out. You speak to your people all over the world in this way. So, Father, speak to us. Call us. Direct us. Move us. Make us understand. Open our mouths. Open our ears. Open our hearts. 
In the words of the song, you are the air we breathe. Breathe into us, breath of God. For Jesus' sake, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of your name. Amen. Over the last several weeks, couple of months, uh, you've been seeing different faces up here from time to time. Our elders, uh, John Rich, you know, we've had many different speakers. We're going to continue to do that shift here and there. You'll see some people you maybe never saw before, maybe someone you've seen a long time ago and you just can't wait to see him again. Um, It'll keep happening. And over those same weeks and months recently, I think I can sense that you've been encouraged, that God has brought hope, that there is joy to be found. That's partly because all of those things are in God's Word. But it's also partly because the elders sat down couple of months ago and decided we're going we're gonna to speak about hope. Because, hey, we're looking for a senior pastor. And a lot of times, as in our case, we start looking for a senior pastor as soon as one leaves. And that can be heartbreaking. It was for me, still is. Um, so I need encouragement from God. I need to have hope that God is going to find someone who is going to keep up, even move forward, so that we're not just going to fade away, but we're going to shine a little brighter, maybe a little differently, but all for God's name. Fortunately, it's his business. He gets to bring who he wants over here. All we have to do is go, bring it. And you know, that's part of what I've been hearing in the last couple of weeks. It's kind of a theme that's developing in my life. Uh, Sometimes these things last for years, as you know of me. Some of you know of me. Sometimes it's a few days, and God seems to bring a message repeatedly, and once I get it, then he moves on to the next message, and hopefully the next person. But anyway, um, I want to read to you from the book of Proverbs. For those of you who have been in the study at our home on Thursday evenings, This is the next chapter. So you have to be listening this morning. You can't just go, yeah, I got it on Thursday, I'm good. No, this is the next chapter. And I'm going to read it through straight, Proverbs chapter 9. Read it through straight, then I'm going to talk about it for a little while in a way that I hope brings hope. 
and encouragement. So now, now that you've found Proverbs chapter 9, here I go. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my food. Drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live. And proceed in the way of understanding. He who corrects the scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove the scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman whose name is Folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depth of the grave. We have two women. Well, actually, we have a literary device. That device is, I'm going to take two concepts, wisdom and folly, and I am going to write about them in this way. I'm going to treat them as though they are human beings. Women, two women, two women who are different from one another. So this is a literary device. It's the personification of wisdom and the personification of folly. So, I chose to call this message Wisdom and Folly. Because there they are. And it was easy. But I want to talk about an idea that's in there 
that we need to really examine. The idea of scoffing. Because the difference between the person who follows wisdom and the person who follows folly, the difference is scoffing. The one who follows folly has scoffed at wisdom. Wisdom has prepared her house, created the meal, made it pleasant. Folly has set a snare. And we are invited into both of those homes. So before we make the decision, I will choose wisdom or folly, we need to understand what's going on here. And I believe this applies to us because the Lord is going to present us with possible shepherds for this flock. His choice is wisdom. The other choices are folly. So how do we avoid folly? I mean, they may be great men. They may be awesome leaders, preachers. They may have a great grasp of the word, may love the flock of God, may desire to build his kingdom with all their heart. But if they're not the person who's going to lead us where God wants us to go, then choosing that man would be folly. So we need to understand about scoffing so we can make the right choice. So I went to my favorite author, my absolute favorite author of all time, and I opened the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. (laughs) And what that said to me is that scoff is a noun. It is an expression of scorn. It is an expression of derision or contempt or a jibe. Scoff means to make something an object of your scorn or of mockery or of derision. Scoff also exists as a verb, an action word. It means to show contempt by derisive acts or language. (sighs) We've seen that one, haven't we? That's, That's the look that makes you want to strangle your teenager. I I know that. It's often followed nowadays with this. I got this. To scoff means to treat or address with derision. Don't you know that I know by now? You've only said this to me 10,000 times. To scoff means to mock. Synonyms for scoff are jeer, 
jibe, fleer, sneer, flout. Not flute, flout. It's not play a flute, it's something different. Scoff means to show one's contempt in derision, which is the use of ridicule or scorn. It means to show contempt or mockery. Scoff stresses insolence, disrespect, or incredulity. It's just a fancy word that means I can't believe it. And those things, insolence, disrespect, or incredulity, are the motivations for us to deride someone. Jeer suggests a coarser, more undiscriminating kind of derision. The crowd jeered at the prisoners. We've seen it, right? Especially in a movie where somebody's in the stocks, right? They're in the public square, and people walk about, they sneer, and they spit on them, and throw rotten vegetables and eggs and things at them. That's what scoff means. Jibe implies taunting in either good-natured or sarcastic derision. But that derision is there. Derision means, you know, we're cutting that person down. That's a good-natured kind of sarcastic comment. But we're really trying to undermine the validity of what they're saying. To fleer suggests grinning or grimacing derisively, taking joy in someone's failure, maybe. To sneer means to stress insult by contemptuous facial expression, phrasing, or tone of voice, all of which we've wanted to slap off of our children's faces from time to time. Flout means stresses contempt shown by refusal to heed. This is, this is the one. This is the one we have to pay attention to, to flout, to stress contempt that is shown by a refusal to believe. It's yes, yes, yes with my mouth and no, no, no with my heart. As you can see, when it comes to scoffing, this word has meaning that's nuanced from, from, yes, I will, but then I don't, all the way to, you're a fool. Everything in between there can be seen as scoffing, can be understood to be scoffing. So... When I look at this passage of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 9, and I see this phrase, he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. I realize that it's hard to know 
when somebody's scoffing. Sometimes it's obvious because they want you to know. But sometimes it's hard to know when someone is scoffing because outwardly they're all in agreement. Yes, I get it. Wise words. Thank you. And walk away and go, not a chance. Not a chance. So when we see wisdom as a woman who has made her house ready to receive guests, who has cleaned everything up, made a great meal, set the table, got the refreshments out there, and she says, if you're wise, come on in. Get understanding. Because that's her house. Wisdom gives good advice. Wisdom is all about the things that God prefers. And so coming into wisdom's house teaches us all the things we need to hear. The question is, on Sunday morning, when we're standing in God's house, in the house of wisdom, are we going, yes, 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 and no, 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 all at the same time? Or do we go, yes, 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 and walk out the door and go, ah, done. Leave that at the door. When we come in for counseling and we say, hey, my life is in shambles, I need some wisdom, and the counselor says, I want you to do A, B, and C. This will help you. Do we go, okay, and come back a week later and it's not done? When we're having trouble with our boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, do we come to the person that we seek advice from and then insert the filter before they start to speak and go, this stuff can pass through, I'll accept that, but the other stuff is going out here? Do we do that to God's Word? When somebody says, you want to move to the next step in your spiritual development, you want to become more like God, you want your life to make better sense, you want to understand the meaning of life, your purpose in God's plan, the value you have as a human being, you want all of this kind of good stuff, you want to be the person who is able to give advice and counsel and wisdom, and people flock to you and go, wow, God really uses you in my life. You want to be that person? And, and somebody stands up here week after week and says, you need to crack open God's Word and have interaction with Him on a regular basis, maybe every day, maybe several times a day. Do you look at that and go, yeah, that's what I want, but that's not what I'm going to do. I heard a sermon that... Debbie brought up to me. And it reinforced all of this stuff that's going on in my life. Uh, all of these different ways. I mean, it's not like there are big situations. It's just that God says this, you know. Things come about and I go like, wow, that was kind of strange. God, what are you trying to tell me? And, and, and it focuses on this. And, and I have to ask myself, am I scoffing a little bit? But then I heard this message that, that Deb had heard on the radio while I was at work, so she put it on in the car yesterday when we were coming here, and I listened to the last half, which you didn't know. I listened to the last half later. Um, the message is about the children of Israel. 
who had seen God's awesome deeds, right? They were there when Moses showed up in Egypt to confront Pharaoh. They were there. They saw the plagues. They saw the frogs. They saw the Nile turn to blood. They saw the wells gush forth red blood. They saw the gnats. They saw the flies. They saw the fire and hail. They saw all that stuff. They saw God doing it. They knew Moses was there saying, God's going to do this. And then God followed up on it. They were impressed. They believed in God. When God said, take a lamb and slaughter it and put the blood on the doorpost and stay inside. They did that because they believed God. They believed God when he told them to ask your neighbors if you can borrow their gold and silver and all their jewels. And they did that. They asked their neighbors and they gave them earrings and gold plates and whatever. And and in that way, Israel plundered Egypt. They believed God when he said, we're going out of here. They followed Moses right into the desert. What an awesome thing. They went to Sinai in order to worship. They believed God. These are believers that walked out of Egypt. But God's judgment on this people when they came to the edge of the promised land and sent in 12 spies and 10 spies came back and said, no chance. That was scoffing. No chance. They will kill us. They're like giants. We're like grasshoppers. They will squish us. And two of the spies said, no. God has delivered them into our hands. He's promised he's going to do it. This is the same guy who destroyed Egypt. This is the same guy who turned the Nile to blood. This is the same God who's been with us at Sinai, got this pillar of fire thing going, got this manna coming up. This is the guy who has cared for us every step of the way. This is the God you believe in. He said he'll give us the land. Let's go in and get it. And the people voted, not a chance. We believe God, we ain't doing it. It's really in me that when stuff like that happens, I want the ground to open up and swallow people. That's me. And in a way, it did. For the next 38 years, that entire generation wandered around in the wilderness, died one by one, and were buried in the desert. So the ground did open up. But God let it take 38 years. I don't want to wait 38 years. 
If I end up being the scoffer, I want God to correct me now. I mean, I don't want it right now when it's happening, but tomorrow I want it to have been done already because I don't want to deal with it. I want it to have been dealt with. So I want the ground to open up and swallow people and let God's church move ahead. Can I give a clue there? Every one of us is the same. This is the encouraging part. Yeah, I, I know that when we talk about hope, when we're looking for God's will in our life, that's all encouraging stuff, but it has to go with the rest of it. And the rest of it means when folly opens her door and sits on the front porch and goes, come on in. The air conditioning is on. Right? It's comfortable. It's pleasant. When we see that, we have to identify it and we have to decide no. And not scoff at wisdom. We need to hear what God's saying in order to be able to benefit from his wisdom. And when we do that, when we follow God's way, we are blessed. If you don't believe me, you read the first eight chapters of Proverbs. They're really good. They really are. That message about the people who left Egypt and died in the wilderness was about this. The pastor who was delivering that message was talking about the difference between a group of people who have faith and a group of people who are on mission. Do we believe God or do we follow him? Do we have a bunch of doctrine or do we have a purpose? Has God only told us what to believe or has he given us a job to do? Has he given us a kingdom to build? <clears throat> has he given us a people to be? Has he given us a world to influence for the sake of his name? Has he given us a name to carry out into that world? Yeah, he has. So are we people of the teaching or are we people of the mission? We will be people of the mission. I just want you to know that. That's who we're going to be. We're going to be people who follow God. We're not going to be people who just have really great doctrine and an hour of rest on Sunday morning, and 
then get on with our day. No. We're going to be. I'm not telling you this because it's me saying it. I'm telling you this because the elders sat down and talked about it, and this is what we decided. You know what? We want God's man. We want God's purpose. We don't want to just sit here and sour like wet rags. This is who we want to be. It's, It's not up to me. We've got a pastoral search team, and they... Notice I didn't say we, because I'm not on it. They are out there looking for God's man. And I don't want to influence that in any way that might be seen as scoffing at God. So there we are. Here we are. We're this people with an awesome God who does great things. And that's what he's doing in my life this week. And so I shared it with you. So what I want to know is, what's he doing in your life? What can you share with us to encourage us? This is your chance. Tell us all about it. What's God doing? What has he called you to? What what purpose has he had in your life that he's fulfilling and carrying out? And, And how is he changing your life and your heart? This is it. This is this is testimony Sunday time. I know it doesn't seem official because there's no microphone, but we can change that. In a heartbeat. So, I'll tell you how we're going to do this. It's going to be a little different. I'm going to take my Bible, phone, and my notes, and I'm going to sit down over here and be quiet. And I'm going to let you come up here and talk about it. Don't be afraid. If you need me to stand next to you, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't be afraid. Look around the room. These are people who love you. Amen. All right? This is, this is, and, and it's God's business anyway, not ours. So come on up here. encouraged by all of you. I really love you guys. Uh, Losing a pastor is the death of a lot of churches. It's not an easy thing to go through. A lot of people leave, a lot of people have, and a lot of people show up. I don't understand it. I I understand part of it. I don't understand why people show up, but I'm glad they do. Um... I feel like one of the things this church really needed for a long time is a wake-up call. We got really comfortable. Uh, 
Pastor Tim or Dad did a lot of things. That was just kind of his proclivity. You know, he was Dad at home and he was Dad here. He said, oh, i got to fix that. i got to patch that hole and he, I'm going to do my best with what i got. And i got to go over here. i got to go paint over there. Well, now we don't got that guy anymore. Now it's up to us. Which is why yesterday was very encouraging for me, as I'm sure it was for Gary and anyone else who was here. We got a lot of stuff done. We got, you know, I don't know if you guys were here, Gary and Peg set up this amazing thing with notes. Gary, Peg's pointing at Gary. Gary did it. (laughs) Um, But uh, it was like a little poster board full with all these, you know, things with numbers is, I want you to replace the lights. That's number 10. And on number 10, a little sticker had all the lights that you were going to use. It's ingenious. Um, you know, and, and almost everything on that entire board got done except for fix the fence, which is next. The fence out back is terrible. It needs to be redone. Um, but we got a whole lot done. I just wanted to say, you guys... I see a lot of people stepping up and filling shoes, which is what I believe is how the church should be. Um, It shouldn't just be one guy doing everything or a few guys doing most of the things, but it should be everyone doing a lot of things, even small things and commitments. And commitments are hard because commitments take time, and commitment time sucks. Um, But I'm really thankful for all of you guys who have been stepping up, even some of the newer faces and the, the Spanish church that came um, you know, Sunday morning, uh, I don't know, I haven't been counting how many people have been coming to pray consistently, but I would say that every time we've done a prayer Sunday morning Sunday school, this is the one that we've had consistently the most, and consistency is key for me, because we'll have a lot of people in the beginning and people kind of filter out, but uh, very encouraged by the consistent high numbers. And I'm encouraged to see that people keep coming back, even though we got to new speaker every week you know, to give another message. It's a real test of faith. And I'm encouraged by that. I found this morning we've got um, a little devotional Um, calendar kind of a thing on our bathroom countertop and um, I read it this morning and I was like wowed by it and I wanted to write it down and now I can't remember what it was but while I was while you were talking and I'm flipping through trying to figure out which C it was in I swear it was a C or a G you know Galatians Colossians whatever Um, I, I ran across something else and um, this also has to do with um, part of partly what uh, we experienced yesterday, you know, workday. We, we do a good job with workday. There are so many people that, you know, always come for workday. You know, it's the ants come, and they get the work done, and then they leave. And we're all better for it. But anyways, um, um, I am on the search committee, and one of the things I shared with them the other night was something that, you know, I talked to Gary about, and I said, you know, I sometimes feel like we, like we have been, you know, um, a, a one foot in kind of person. And um, I just ran across this because it, it actually breaks down what I, I said to the search committee the other night was that, 
you know, now we're at the point where we need to be in with both feet, you know, for the, for the life of this church, for the continuation, for everything that, you know, Alliance Bible Church has always been um, capable of doing. You know, it's there. I feel like we're like on a threshold here, you know, and, and always have been. And just, But anyways, this is from Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24. And simply what it says is, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will, be, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So once again, you know, if, uh, like I said, you know, for myself, I regret the fact that, you know, I've been in a one person, a one foot person, you know, and feel now it's time to put both feet in and just, you know, give back as, as much as often as we can. There, there's few workers left here anymore, and so, you know, it all gets concentrated, and, you know, so, um, you know, for myself, I'm in with two feet. I can say this in this church. Um, those of you who are new, you probably don't know, but I only have one foot. I only have one, one leg. But I'm still standing. Um, oh, that's that's right. Oh, I'm not the only one. But I had mine longer. <laughs> Yeah, it was, oh my gosh, it was so long ago. It's, it's almost 50 years that I've had mine. But anyway, um, so back to being serious. When Phil and I per first came to this church, we were not looking for a new church at all. And I know that it was the Lord because we didn't decide to come here. In fact, we were at the um, AG Pentecostal Church on Bartels Road. And we would pass by this, this church on the way over there. And there were times over the years where I would look at this little church and when there were a lot of cars in the parking lot, I was really happy for them because I felt like that was such a little tiny church in comparison to ours, a couple hundred, hundred people. And um, we had all the luxuries, you know, big gym and... I mean, anything that would draw people from the community, we had. Uh, we were debt-free um, and uh, lovely people, and we never felt like we were going to leave. We were there for how many years? 27 years, I think. From the day we were, or the week that we were married until 10 years ago. Anyway, um, my daughter-in-law invited me to come to a ladies' Bible study here. It, it was during the summer, and usually I have no clue about certain things, which is fine because the Lord can work better that way when I'm not in the way. Um, so I came to the Bible studies, and I was so impressed with the ladies' joyfulness, and they made me laugh. 
and they were very open and personable. And I was like, whoa, you know, there's more than just raising your hands and praising the Lord. This was really getting, like, personal. And um, it, it was wonderful. And the last day of the Bible study, uh, they announced that it was the last day, and I go, what? Because I had it all planned in my head. Like, oh, we can still go to our church, but I can come here on Thursdays because we didn't have a Bible study at night. And um, I was so disappointed. And then I don't know how it came to be, but uh, after it came to an end, we came to the church on a Sunday. And all these ladies came up to me and were saying, oh, hi, we're so glad to see you. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe we were invited, I don't know. But Phil had noticed that not one gentleman had talked to him. He said, everybody knows your name and this and that. He said, but nobody talked to me. And he didn't say it as complaining or, you know, to be negative. It was just something he had observed. But, it, but inside of me, my heart just kind of fell because I felt like, oh, bummer. Because at the time, I sort of felt like a fish out of water. And I kept on praying, Lord, where do you want us? Where do you want us? Um, that's how I felt, like we're just not in the right place. And I couldn't, you know, describe it. So the, next, the following Sunday, um, we're getting ready to go to church, like a habit. And um, Phil says, do you want to still go to that little church that we went to last Sunday? Oh, and, and that following week, I had prayed and prayed and prayed. And I said, Lord, if you want us to get involved in that church, you're going to have to speak to you know who. And uh, so I never said a word that week. And when Sunday came, he asked if I wanted to go to this church. And I said, yeah. So we came. And would you believe it? Without me saying anything or interfering, um, men came up to him and said, glad to see you. You know, they had recognized it was the second time maybe. Um, but that was a confirmation to me. And so we had been coming ever since. And that was like almost ten and a half years ago. And the second week that we were here, Judy came up to me and she said, you know, I've been praying for seven years for a couple like you. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah? Like, how are we? She never explained it. And for the last ten years, I have no, again, I have no clue what that means or, or why. But, especially when Peg said to have two feet in, um, something that someone that used to go to our church years ago had, had Facebooked Phil for his birthday and said, what a wonderful time it is that you as a couple are in that church at that particular time. And we all know that God does. He works everything out perfectly. He places us in places where we need to be as long as we don't interfere. And that's my prayer. I just feel like not sitting back with only one leg, you know, I don't, I don't feel that way. But I do feel to be back and just rest and watch and pray, like Jesus asked us to. He says, watch and pray. And how many of his disciples stayed up to pray? Nobody. So, thank you, Pastor Don, for calling the prayer meeting, because the least we can do.
Well, there's a definite theme to pretty much everything that's been said so far. Today it started with Dave Malusinich in prayer, though, um, thanking God. It was all about thankfulness in a prayer. And it, was, it started with him just thanking God for, you know, actually having people step up. There's been a lot of frustration, I think, not, not only on my part, but on a lot of people's parts here in the church, especially the people who have been committed to this church and been doing things for as long as I can remember, uh, coming up on 18 years, I think. Yeah. So um, I, w- I was one of those people who was frustrated seeing nobody do anything for the most part. And yes, I'm going to generalize because that's what I felt. Um, But to finally see and feel the relief of having other people, you know, actually come in and do things. And it's not just the physical doing of things. I'd like to point out Tommy Coley. He's out there doing the the security right now. But that guy's got ideas. He has got a lot of good ideas, and he isn't afraid to explore them. He's not afraid to speak his mind about them. He'll let you know exactly what he's talking about, exactly what he's thinking, and he'll ask you if you think it's good. And he will be willing to uh, uh, hear from wisdom about it and not just scoff. Um, But yeah, he's actually, he's been very inspiring to me recently uh, because I think there's been a lack of creativity when it comes to doing things here especially with outreach, and that guy's got a heart for uh, outreach. Um, he's also quite a bit of a leader himself. He doesn't recognize it, I don't think, but he is. Uh, and I think because he's now exploring that, and it is a pretty recent thing with him, um, at least exploring it, uh, there's a lot more of us here that could explore that easily. And, you know, like, like Peg was saying, just put both feet in and do it. And that's what it's going to take. And it's, it's, I feel the same thing. We are on that threshold. Like there's so many possibilities. And it's encouraging to see. It's encouraging to feel. And it's encouraging to pray about every Sunday morning. So I encourage you, come to Sunday morning prayer. Thank you. It's amazing how I've been coming here since like 2002 and then in 2008 I became a member of this church and to, you know, I didn't think that we would have a pastor as long as we did here and all. Just to see Pastor Tim and and Judy leave our church and I was thinking, oh, where's this church going to go to? This church is going to probably fall apart. I'm amazed to see how we're keeping this church together. I don't know if it's super glue or, or what. But I'm amazed to see how this church is still standing and everybody is just coming together, working as one to keep this church going until we can get a new leader into this church. And then I'm also amazed that when you need, if you have a question for something or if you don't know something, that there's people here you can go to 
And if they tell you they don't know it, they'll let you. They'll find someone that does know how to, that does know. And I'll, I'm very amazed at this church. And I was a little afraid when I heard that Pastor Tim and Trudy were leaving us. But on the way, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is the Lord's calling, you know, that they wanted to move on and stuff. So I'm just hoping and praying that we find someone just as good or even better maybe than Pastor Tim and Judy. Not that I'm going, you know. But uh, I'm thankful for everyone here at this church. And, I'll, and thank you for all the encouragement you've given me over the years. I don't think I would be the person I am today without you guys here at Lions Bible Church. Thank you. Jewish do-gooder. This was a Roman soldier. Um, evidently, well, you know, we don't know if he, I doubt if he'd become a Jew. But anyhow, he believed. He believed so much that he recognized that Jesus didn't have to come to his house to touch his servant or to speak over him. All he had to do was say the word. He believed it. Who were the people that didn't believe Jesus marked It's the people of his hometown. The Jews that he lived with growing up day to day. And that's been a real challenge to me. Which group do I want to be in? Well, I guess I want to have one foot in both. I want to be the believing and the trusting. <laughs> so, um, okay, and then the other one was... Uh, Pastor Don, I brought the wrong notes up with me. But you talked about um, believing and trusting God. And I tried to catch his, tried very small little believing of the hand to catch his, his eye when he, when he was uh, preaching that day, but he ignored me. Um, that's easy to do, easy to do. But, and I think you've, you've all heard it before. But why do I believe God? What can God do? The day after Tom's stroke, which would have been September 1st, 1914, 1914, oops, no, 2014, sorry. <laughs> you didn't think we were that old, huh? Um, the day after his stroke, and Rebecca and I had just come out from talking to the, the head honcho, where he said, well, actually, and very kind of coolly and clinically said, actually, you're very lucky because usually patients like Tom with an LVAD don't survive a stroke, don't survive the first 24 hours. And, you know, I mean, 
he could have poured ice water on us and it would have been it would have been less of a shock. But I came out of there and I think Debbie went back to the waiting room where Debbie was and I just walked down the hall and I'm crying and I'm I just Debbie said, God, I can't do this. And I didn't hear anything audibly. But he said, That's right, you can't, but I can. And he did and and the peace that passes understanding is real, and God works. And can he bring us a perfect pastor? Mm, he won't be perfect, but he'll be perfect for us. So you guys know I'm definitely not someone who would normally come up here. <laughs> um, but when Peg come up <laughs> um, and you start talking about one foot in, one foot out, um, the whole time before that I was thinking I was going to talk to you guys about um, me and how I've been selfish with my time and how um, the Lord's convicted me and I'm trying to change that. So when you came up, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> And then after that, there was another person who talked about that. And then there was this long pause after you came up. Um, and then my mom's behind me going, Grace, go up, go up. And then I look over and Don's looking at me, haven't you waited long enough? Gosh dang it. Like I can't escape. Um, but yeah, so um, I've really been convicted lately and I'm sure I mean, I'm not the only one in this church. Um, but I know I've been very selfish with my time. I've honestly never committed fully to a church. <laughs> so, and I honestly think that this is the first church where I feel like I actually have a home church. Um, for a, lo a large part of my life, my mom and dad can confirm. Um, we went from church to church, and we didn't really quite have that home feeling. But the second that we came to this church, I got it. It was like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like an instantaneous, like, I'm home and I know I'm home. But um, I never really knew what it meant at that time to really have a home church. And so I sat there and I was comfortable and I was perfectly okay with other people carrying the burden of ministry and, and doing stuff and the programs and, and all the stuff that we do for other people. I was perfectly comfortable with showing up, talking to my friends and going home. <laughs> like that was what I was supposed to do, which obviously that's not what I'm called to. I would wake up on a Sunday morning, like, oh, I don't want to go to church. 
I'd go to church, and I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> and then I'd go home, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go next week either. And then what the Lord worked on me the last several years, and that's changed completely around. Um, during the week, I'm having a hard week, or work sucks, or... <laughs> I'm not feeling good, or I'm really tired, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to go to church, because I know that I'm going to get encouraged and poured into. Um, but going off of that, I also know that I haven't been pouring into other people either. Or, I mean, maybe a few people, but not the way that I know I can be, in the way that I've been called to. So, for all of you who have known me all these years, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for not pouring into you the way I should. And I'm trying to change that. So, with that in mind, if you could just pray for me for the coming weeks. Especially the support of the search committee. Ironically enough, at this point, um, it's a really big load big decision. When Grace first came here, she was in high school, weren't you? And it's Nick's fault. <laughs> Nick would bring her on Wednesday evenings. It was middle of the week, um, call it youth group whatever. Um, but Grace was here for a couple, maybe maybe a month. And, and uh, one evening she came up to me and she said, I never really felt like I belonged anywhere before, but I feel like I belong here. You do. So do you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and all the way across. We belong here because God brought us here. So there's a theme here, Zeke accurately identified. The theme is we're not going to scoff at it. We're going to go in both feet flesh or not. 
we're going to engage. We're going to do. We're not going to just believe, we're going to have faith. I just had a conversation, was maybe a week ago, I don't remember exactly, but I do remember the conversation. It was about, uh, oh, it was on Monday night. That's when it was. It was a week ago. Conversation was uh, about people who are out there who don't know the good news of life in Christ. And how do we speak to this generation? This generation who is so violently opposed to the gospel. I mean, maybe don't even know it, but um, the things that are true about the gospel, they reject automatically before they even know that it's related to the gospel. How do we speak to such a generation? One of the ideas that came out was they don't really care about our doctrine. Was a, a, we were talking about a person who was uh, experiencing some level of pain in their life. And uh, the answer was, uh, lost people don't care about our teaching. They don't. They don't care what we believe. They don't care that our doctrine is good. Lost people only care about whether our faith is real. They, they want to see that we are authentic in our belief. What they want to know is that our faith can speak to their pain. Is there anything about our faith that can relieve their suffering? I got some pushback on that from a particular individual in the room, thinking, you know, maybe that goes a little further than what, well, what people are thinking. And, okay, maybe it goes beyond what they're thinking, but it works, you know, because cause God moves in. <clears throat> I want to leave us with... Uh, Passage from James five nineteen. Now, I run a risk right here. I just want to tell you, I'm going out on a limb here. When I read this, you might just shut off and go like, he's not talking about me. And you're right. I'm not talking about you. But maybe God is. Um, James 5.19 says this, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The first part of that wasn't so bad, was it? Just stray a little bit. 
But the second part was terrible. Because it's not good for me to stand up here and go like, Sinner. Turn. Turn from the error of your way. I mean, that's, there's a place for that. This message is not a place for that. This message is a place for the one who's straight a little bit. For the one who's scoffing is so at such a low level that you can't even see it. It's just the person who only has one foot in. It's just the person who, I believe, I just don't do. It's a person who, and it's amazing to me that right here in James, is using exactly the same language as back there in Proverbs. Because you remember about folly? Those who turn in there, they go to their own destruction. And James says, if you turn into the other place instead, you go toward wisdom instead, you save your soul from death. The difference is, in Proverbs it says, if you go there, you go yourself. You go alone. You take responsibility for your action. Here it says, and he's talking to believers inside a congregation here. He's not talking to the lost out there. He's not talking to Bartlett. He's talking to Alliance Bible Church saying, take care of one another. All right? Don't focus on the sin. Don't focus on the little scoffing. Just cover it over. But turn that one. Right? Get that other foot in. So that's, uh, that's the application for us, each of us. Not to look around and go like, oh, this guy's not fully in, that guy's not fully in. I haven't seen so-and-so here. Uh, where where has you know this person been? That person been? No, that's not it. The application is for those of us that the Lord has brought in to keep cheering each other on, keep moving each other in the right direction. If you're on the pastoral search team, raise your hand. Look around. Dave, you too, you're on that team. I'm not. So, uh, Garth, you're there, right? Um, if you're on that team, as you go through the things you're working through, be ready to give an answer to people who ask you. And for the rest of us, ask them about it. Hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah? Because... Once they ask you, what are you doing? Then you ask them. Well, we're working through this. What's your opinion? What do you think? That way we keep each other 
both feet in. So stand up. Let's pray. Let's go home because... Oh, yeah. Congregational meeting. I'm going to pray for that and I'm going to go away because you're going to talk about me and I'm not going to stay here for that. <laughs>